0: Well, I'm breaking with protocol and releasing a whole story in one day. Why on earth would I do that? Well, the episode I was commentating upon was released on this day, 56 years ago exactly, so I couldn't resist the chance to tie that in, especially as today, January the 2nd, is also my birthday, so it's my gift, if you like, to you. Now, of course, if you're not listening to this on its release date, well, this means nothing and ignore all of that. But now you won't forget my birthday next year, will you? Anyway, on with the show. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, in which I, Toby Haydoke, endeavour to accentuate the positive about a Doctor Who story chosen by a friend of mine.
1: Hello, lovely Toby Haydock. It's Andrew Ellard here. Since I'm not an actor who played a small role in Doctor Who, you probably need reminding who I am. I'm a TV script editor. I worked on Detectorists, Chewing Gum, Red Dwarf, Miranda, and I've written a few things. Horror movie After Death, Channel 4 Black series Outsiders, and I've got a sci-fi sitcom coming to Children's BBC in 2021. But you don't want to know about that. You want to know what story I've nominated for you to watch, and it's The Rescue. So, that's William Hartnell's second season and the arrival of Vicky aboard the TARDIS. I picked two favourite things about each of the two episodes and one overall thing that I love about it. Can the fandom detective of Old Commentary Street deduce what they are? If people want to find me, I'm Andrew Ellard. My website's andrewellard.com. My Twitter is Ellard Ent. That's Ellard E-N-T. Hello,
0: everybody. It's... The middle of the night, and I'm doing my first William Hartnell story for Happy Times and Places. You know what it is, because it said that in the title. And if you are about to watch the episode, uh, you've got it all lined up. So press play now. Oh, I love this title sequence. It's nice to be doing a William Hartnell number of things to discuss immediately i'm in a really slightly discombobulated mood because i found the rescue of the romans double pack on the shelf and it was shrink wrapped i remembered oh yes i've got a shrink wrap copy because i kept one unopened because it was the first this was the first dvd i did a commentary on this is my first doc 2 commentary uh and i thought well i must have and that but that was on my shelf my main shelf downstairs so i thought well i must have given the other one away because you know i don't need two copies and probably thought i'd never watch it for for ages um so it didn't matter that you know the shrink so i kept the shrink wrapped one uh and so i opened it up to to use to watch now virgin a virgin shrink wrappage and then i remember oh no, I, I do keep some spares upstairs so I went upstairs and there was an unshrink shrink wrapped one there so what 15 14 15 years that's been shrink wrapped untouched perfectly preserved and now i've just rather carelessly opened it and and in fact i was so annoyed that's not the one we're watching i immediately put it back and put it upstairs but it's not shrink wrapped anymore so um my collector i'm not much of a collector feels sick inside that i didn't just check upstairs and and i've undone all that preservation um because like i'm I'm sure there's a real shortage of copies of anyway anyway so hello I'm I, I, I also this is also different because uh, out of shot and out of earshot uh, my my other half is what she the saying because um I would have quite liked to, to have interrupted or, or knocked on halfway through so I could have gone you can't come in uh, which will will become a, <laughs> a favorite pastime of watching this uh, and the other reason apart from this being my first, DVD commentary uh, is that this episode, episode one of The Rescue the Powerful Enemy, is one of the few episodes of Doctor Who to have been transmitted on January the 2nd, which is my birthday, which uh, I know from bitter experience is the worst day in the universe because everyone's asleep or hungover or sleeping off their hangover. Uh, or or sleeping off their delayed hangover because they've got through new year's day and have really taken the next so you look in your diary it'll say january the first new year's day january the third back to work in the middle there's a big black hole of nothing and certainly no social engagements or birthday parties so our uh, solidarity with the the rescue <laughs> although it was a it was really highly rated um, it got really good viewing figures so obviously everyone was hung over and staying in i love vicky's costume so this is maureen o'brien it's vicky uh who i used to be quite cross with because she didn't do many interviews about doctor who, and when she did she came across as really dismissive um having met her she's the loveliest woman in the world and actually now that i've spoken to her i can see where a sentence where she might say something like well i'm only doing this interview to plug my book May sound sort of may read as brusque when written down, but actually, when you hear it come from her, it, it's she's not being remotely dismissive of Doctor Who. It's just her, it's it's just her sort of bluntness, which is in no way disparaging. So it was really interesting to to encounter the person and to hear her say the things that I'd the sort of things I'd seen her say written written down that had made me think, oh, she doesn't like Doctor Who. She's she she's fine about Doctor Who. She's had a fantastic career. So in the eighties, when we were sort of, you know, wanting to read interviews with companions and people. She was busy doing high quality work. So um, probably didn't have an awful lot of time or indeed inclination, which is fair enough. I met her at the 50th anniversary uh, thing and I and I needed to interview somebody from the rescue. And as we will see, there's not much of a cast or crew. Uh, and those that there are, I'd already spoken to in the commentary. Um and I think it was, was it Marcus Hearn? It was somebody who said, oh, why don't you speak to Maureen O'Brien? I went, but she hates doing interviews about Doctor Who. She's not going to say yes. And she said yes, and she was great. And then we shared a taxi, and I emailed her the other day. Uh, we're still in touch, and she's really nice, uh, living in France and doing a garden. Uh, very smart woman, very nice woman. So, oh, poor old William Hartnell is very sad, Susan. So this is the first breakup of the Tardis crew because Susan left last week. Uh, oh, and he's and he's going to ask Susan to do something, isn't he? And she's not going to be there. And he's going to be sad. I might just turn the sound up slightly. Oh, uh, oh, the trembling stopped. I'm so glad you're feeling better. That's a great gag. <laughs> this is non-alcoholic, by the way. I'm having a late night beer and watching Doctor Who because I love Doctor Who. I don't know about you. And I do love black and white Doctor Who. Um, I'm interested. And what's also nice about this, because this is not a story of great heft, let's be honest. It's a man pretending to to be locked in a cupboard uh, to, to for some reason, string a young woman along. Uh And in fact, I remember in the book Doctor Who, The Early Years, which, ah, that was like the Dead Sea Scrolls because my mum had bought it because I'd seen it in the Longleat shop and and it'd got pictures of old Doctor Who and I went, oh gosh, if money and there was no object, I'd love that. And my mum obviously had then gone back to the shop because she bought a load of stuff that she then put in a cupboard in one of the rooms in our house ready for Christmas and I found it so I would occasionally sneak in there and have a look. Now, I didn't read the whole book because I knew that I wanted something to be there for Christmas. Oh, I love that bit where he speaks for Susan and she's not there. And he looks so so. Look at him. He's heartbroken. And there's a sort of stillness there. He was a good screen actor, Hartnell. Oh, yes. There's a real vulnerability about him there. And I love the way these two are with him. The dynamic between these three is is a thing of beauty. Look at them. Aren't they? Don't you just love them? Don't you want to be with them? I think this t- Tardis crew is absolutely... and I love this cave and the darkness. Uh, yeah, the lighting in here is fantastic, with the Tardis flashing. So it's it's and it is the the inky blackness of that cave set is terrific, and the and yeah and the flashing light is. I haven't seen this for so long, um, and it's an odd dynamic this obviously I will say this a lot because I, I, I oh hang on you can see the back of the cave through the back of the TARDIS look so the TARDIS prop hasn't got its back on that's a special dimensional trick where the chameleon circuit has blended the insides of the TARDIS with the cave see you can explain anything you like with sci-fi um, so yeah the Doctor Who the early years and I remember there was a picture from the rescue, and it said something like, <laughs> Yeah, "You've been quite rude." That was that was a sort of Trump, Donald Trump hand gesture. That um, when he's being rude about somebody. Um, yeah, Ian. Although I approve of the pocket square, I always approve of someone with a pocket square. Um, yeah, and there was a picture in. Doctor, what she's doing now, Ian, Susan, because she's, uh, you left her many years in the past, what she's doing now is being dead, that's the sad thing about time travel, you you leave somebody and you travel forward a few hundred years, and the person, the person you've left behind, oh, Cochillian, I love that mask, and that, because that, and it photographs really well, because there were loads of photographs of it in the early years book, and it's, uh, is a pretty, pretty neat costume. It, it, it wobbles a bit, in a way that it doesn't with the with the still pictures. So those um, those antennae are a little bit they detract a little bit, whereas the still pictures it looks it looks incredible. It was it was one of those pictures where it said the rescue was the story. The original none of the original cast wanted to do or something. I can't remember why. Um, that's very good, isn't it? Two bit, uh, uh, with uh, with the spaceship and the it's the trick they use with the Dalek city and the Daleks as well. Of course, yes, this is this is called the rescue, but there's an episode of the Daleks called the rescue. It's very confusing. Um, You'd have you'd have thought within the first year they'd managed not to replicate titles. Uh, so yes, so the uh, yeah the early years made an allusion to the fact that the cast didn't originally want to do this script. Never quite, and I'm sure I, it explains. But I remember that, and I don't remember the the details apart from obviously there is there is a sort of certain subtext of going why why is Bennett kept Vicky alive and what exactly does he want to do? Uh, and that mask survived there's a there's a brilliant publication called nothing at the end of the lane uh published by richard bignall who is the great doctor who researcher uh and he's always very good at sharing his his knowledge and his spoils he's a very he's like an oracle of arcana and um there's some photos of what's left of that mask um because it was rescued by xinan who then who then i think hired it out uh, and and changed it for fancy dress and things like that. So you've got this, this great relic of Doctor Who and it had lost a few, I think. You, know, you can see the, the antenna aren't long for this world anyway. Um, but nobody knows where it is now, but it survived then and there are, you know, relatively recent photographs, although I think it's since gone missing. Some of probably a fan who isn't like Richard, bought it and has kept it in a cupboard and gone, I'm the only one who's got this next to my shrink-wrecked copy of The Rescue in the Romans DVD that I've kept in my shrink wrap because I know how to look after things. Oh, I'm never going to forgive myself for that. I did just, before I started, though, I did just look on, yeah, I, I could buy one for 12 So, 99 um, but it's just the fact, oh, yeah, I remember when I first watched this, Barbara falls off a cliff. That, that is, that's a great shot. Look at that. You forget how close they go up, go in in black and white sometimes. Uh, and with with the rest- you know with, with the restored picture because obviously when I would first actually when I first saw this it was in decent quality. I was very lucky with some of the the bootlegs I got and I remember the rescue being being actually particularly good quality. The Aztecs was a mess and the invasion was a, a veritable mixture of textures but this was all right. I like his now as regular viewers will know I do like a bit of neckwear but I've never worn anything. Like that. I wonder what you call it. It's not a cravat, is it? It's a... Do you know what that's called? A ribbon. A neck ribbon. Don't see those nowadays. Uh, Coquillian. That's a good name, isn't it? And Coquillian. Now, I sometimes don't mention things that I think are obvious. However, Coquillian is credited as Sidney Wilson, which is a mixture of the names of Sidney Newman and Donald Wilson, who essentially created Doctor Who. Yeah, look, the TARDIS hasn't got a back. Um, And of course, well, I don't want to spoil it for my other half who's never seen it, but uh, Sidney Wilson is not a real person because the actor playing Coquillian is also playing another character in this episode. Uh, Oh, and the list of suspects is huge. Now, this is what's going to be interesting. I don't know why Andrew Ellard, who that's the beautiful thing about Doctor who, I'm a great admirer of the work of Andrew Ellard, who has nominated The Rescue, and he's given me two reasons. He's very I didn't ask him to, and it's, but, but because it's its only a 2 party he's giving me two reasons per episode and a bonus reason, so five in total, like I would get for a Russell T. Davis or Modern Who episode, which is exactly what I uh, would have hoped for, even though I didn't suggest it to him. So he's a smart guy. But the beautiful thing is, and I love his tweet notes that he does on Doctor Who episodes and films and stuff, but I've never actually met him, and I don't know him. Um, but I just sent him a message and said, will you do this silly podcast thing of mine? And he's responded. Uh, fascinatingly. Uh, and um, But I will be interested to see what... What he chooses and why he as a, a great man of scripts has chosen this story, which is very much an introduction to a companion, and not an awful lot else. Um, I would, I, I think if it is, although people do like it, I think people like it because it's short. Because I think a six-part black and white is quite a, is quite a big ask for today's audience, whereas this is the length of a, this whole story is the length of a is the length it takes to do a modern story um but yeah I I would be interested I'm sure he will choose oh I should have got a pen and a thing I will have to remember what my favourite things are definitely I'm think I'm going to choose the bit where he calls for Susan and she's not there and he's really sad um and I suspect I would be surprised if Andrew didn't choose that uh he's not going to choose the fact that it was broadcast on my birthday although i hadn't been born then by the way there were quite a few january the seconds to come before the one where i was sent mewling and puking into this world Ah, oh, i love i love william Russell. i love william hartnell too there's something really comfortable about uh about this tardis crew I really like being with them oh and I really like I'll tell you what I really like I like the fact that they've gone to the effort of putting the set on an angle because obviously as we saw in the model shot the spaceship is broken into three and and on the uh, on the uh, on the rocks like that but you can and that's how they've done it with a set and not with I don't think with tricky angles I think they've actually they've gimbled it up or they've they've they've, yeah, they've built it on an angle. And that it sells it it's brilliant, and she's so good too, and I love her costume I love her uh her neck thing round her round her round her neck neck things go around the neck, I know yeah, neck things, neck strings, oh she's so mean to her. She's great isn't she um but i yeah he's um, i mean he's not trying to be nice, I have to say you know he's telling telling them he's pr- telling her he's he's protect he's pr- yeah. She was and she was originally she wasn't gonna be called Vicky, was she? She was gonna be called Tanny or Lucky. And I have I was have a script for the Space Museum, which it's a later story, where she is actually written as Tanny. Uh, I think Vicky slightly dates better. So Kakulian has gone to talk to Bennett. Did she say you can't come in? Yes, that's what that's what I wanted to do to you. Other half out of shot. I wanted you to come and get something from the fridge, and he'd go, "You can't come in," because uh, he it does it quite a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, she's hiding Barbara. Uh, Barbara's hair in this is amazing. I mean, I assume that takes some doing to make to make your hair like that. But it's that's quite a lot of it looking to me for yeah for hair I want, I want to know how you make your hair like that in I the 60s yeah well that's true she has uh, yeah backcombing backcombing Ooh. there's the tip there so if you want yeah, if you want to do a Babs original backcomb your hair but you need a lot of hair But but she looked a right state in the morning It was interesting that they, you know, they pretty much, they they replaced Susan with somebody who's sort of the same age, and Susan's slightly weirder, I think, and I don't mean that pejoratively. I like it when Susan's weird. She's got a really uh, sort of big-eyed, sad, innocent quality, hasn't she? I wonder if this was an audition piece it's a nice bit but yeah this was this was this was the first one I did a commentary on and it's with Ray Cusick Christopher Barry the director and William Russell Uh, and it was also just by coincidence it was the night that my one man show Moth Sake My Doctor Who scarf Opened at the West End. Uh, So I had to get a train at 5am, I think, to get to London in time to do the commentary during the day. And then I made my West End debut in the evening. And then when I got back to my, I was going to say hotel, it was a travel lodge in which my director, Mark, because they couldn't afford to put him up as well, shared my bed (laughs) And we had a few drinks, and we were just going to sleep, and then Chortle announced the Sony nominations, and must say my Doctor Who scarf, the radio version, got nominated for a Sony Award. So that was quite a. It was an April day, sixth, ninth, something like that. Um, it was an April day, and all those three things happened, and. <laughs> I, I think life has plummeted ever since. I don't think it. Don't think I've ever quite had a triumvirate of of uh, of firsts or successes or or joys. So uh, that's another reason for me to be very fond of the rescue. But I I think it's. I think I mean I can't I can't really say that, you know just the, the the dynamic of the crew this this, this bunch I suppose because you I sort of take, we take that for granted because they're. They like it in ev- They like it in everyone. It's not typical to this. And I, these two have got a great, a great dynamic. And these two have a great dynamic. Oh, she's she's so lovely, Vicky. Yeah, and it was uh, it was amazing having had that early years book and to have read those names, you know, having stolen them from the cupboard, uh, to then be in a room at uh, Television Centre with where it had been. Where how was this made at Television Centre? No, this was made at Riverside, wasn't it? I don't know, can't remember. Riverside, I would guess. No. I might tell you in episode two because that's niggling me. Um, there's, a, there's a there's a there's a photo of that. We've got we've got lots of lovely black and white photos from these days and the, those f- design photos that Ray Cusick gave to the early years book. And the early years book w- I'd taken with me to get signed. Where's Coquillian gone, Bennett? Has he gone? Has he gone through a different door? Or? Yes. Yes, he has Bennett. And you know that, don't you? Uh, And Ray Barrett, of course, was no slouch uh, in terms of a guest star. But he was not Christopher Barry's first choice. Christopher Barry offered the part of Bennett. He's got a good face, hasn't he? To... um, uh, he, had, he had very pop. He had, he got a very pop face, Ray Barrett, um, which he was very sort of open about saying it actually helped him get parts because he was had a sort of lived in, lived in look, um, which is of course from you know teenage acne and stuff. I know as a, as a psoriasis patient that uh, the skin can be a pernicious beast, but actually having a a lived in face is quite good as a character actor. Ray Barrett got loads of work. Good actor, but no, it was offered. The part was offered to Bernard Archard. Uh, who was obviously a favourite of Christopher Barry because then he did agree to be in Doctor Who for Christopher Barry in Power of the Daleks, in which he plays the villain Bregan uh, and then comes back in Pyramids of Mars, not for Christopher Barry, but for Paddy Russell. Um, but yes, he was offered the part because he was... I guess he was doing Spycatcher at the time, so he was a big name, uh, but turned it down. not Just didn't fancy... Because those days, as an actor, you could get offered a guest lady in a TV series and just go... Yeah, no, I don't fancy it. Because <laughs> I'm sure he didn't say I'm busy, and he didn't even soft serve and go. Oh no, I'm doing so. He just went, no, you're all right. <laughs> um. So yeah, having read having read the the names in the in the book, and I got I got my early years book with me to get signed at the commentary because I I I'm so unprofessional. <laughs> I'm not letting my I'm not letting my ten year old self down I don't care um, and uh, and so it ended up being a prop uh, on the set of my West End show because I'd got I decorated it with some of my you know personal doctor Who ephemera and what was very beautiful is that Jeremy Bentham who uh, I found this out years later who wrote dr Who the early years had come to see it at the West End and a group of them had come of the sort of you know the the, the, the 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 founding fans of yesteryear whose names were you know enshrined in all of those first texts um uh and he'd been quite chuffed to see that his book was on on my sofa on my set and quite right too it was a, uh, as i say it was like an an ancient screed full of magic uh i like sandy the sand beast i think that's a good design and this is great perils of pauline stuff is it a good design well I like i actually I'm, I'm regretting saying that because it didn't look great there but no i, I nope sandy the sand beast is fine so uh Sidney Wilson uh don't go looking for Sidney Wilson he doesn't exist um so uh that was jolly uh what? will Andrew Ellard have chosen because that was rather a personal odyssey I'm sorry about that it's going to be that sometimes Um, uh, uh, but just because there's various different things in that story that chime for me however so the two things I'm going for I'm going for William Hart the doctor calling for Susan realising she's not there and looking desperately sad and Ian and Barbara being lovely to him Uh, and I think I'll go for the design of Coquillian's mask, which I think is really spiky and scary. And it's a good, it's a good, it's a good design. It does the job. Uh, Striking. Um, Yeah, I did that. Honourable mentions to the darkness of the cave set, uh, the general dynamic between Ian and Barbara and the Doctor. Uh, Vicky, of course, the spaceship being like that. There's loads, isn't there? Even in 25 minutes. Let's see what Andrew Ellard has chosen. And I think the rules are, I keep forgetting what the rules are. I think I'm trying to guess what he's guessed. And if I do, I become king and you have to bow down before me. And if I don't, you have to feel very sorry for me and buy me a coffee. (laughs) There we are. Right. I like those rules. Can we remember those, please? Um, Those are now the rules because I don't think they've always been the rules, but I've decided... I like those. Right, Andrew Elard, and he's even done it. You could tell he's an episode professional, he's a television professional. He's put episode one, thing one. Good for him.
1: One favourite thing in episode one is the mystery, and specifically the moment early on where Kekillian appears next to the TARDIS. It's a wonderfully directed moment. We hard cut to the monstrous face and pull back like we're trying to escape. But what's especially clever is that in retrospect you realise he's here because Vicky told Bennett a ship had arrived. At the time, you don't get that. We don't even know there's a mystery to solve, in fact. But later, it adds up very neatly. Oh, he's,
0: he's clever, isn't he? This is like when Simon Gerrier did it and he picked out all sorts of clever, thready things, whereas I just go, I like that, what that looks like, or I like that actor when he did that thing. Uh, Andrew's, of course, a script editor, so he's going to go, I'm going to piece all these magical things together and be clever and explain why I work in television regularly. OK. But, you know, always judge a man by the quality of the guests of his podcast, is what I say. So, um, and I said that whilst looking away from the microphone, which is what records the podcast, looking in the camera, which records the video bit.
1: Yes. A real favourite thing about this story for me is the emotional capability of it all. Where a lot of the early shows felt overly functional, this never forgets to connect events to emotions and character perspectives. What everyone thinks and feels. Everyone has an inner emotional life. We get the Doctor asking for Susan in the TARDIS and catching himself, remembering she's gone. It's an old trick, but it's wonderfully acted. We get him calling from inside the TARDIS, Remember I can hear what you're saying! He lies to Ian and Barbara that he's going for a nap, when in fact he's checking his own faulty memory to see if this is indeed the planet Dido. He keeps up his bravado in the caves, pretending it was Ian who needed a rest, not him. And we get Barbara trying to stop Ian from saying, there's one more person in the ship, but too late. Again, perfectly act- acted to that one. Ian knows he said too much and continues with resignation. Which I know all feels small, but it allows for comedy to work among the core cast in a way it doesn't always. The comfy irritation of Ian po- posing the torch in the Doctor's face, or Vicky observing that Barbara is 500 years old. And look how those tiny shoots grow across the story. Eventually we get to the Doctor eavesdropping, hearing himself being described and genuinely touched by it. We have the reveal that he always knew the Didonians looked human, that the Cakillian costume is exactly that, a costume. Perhaps best of all, we have Vicky never forgetting that while Bennett committed mass murder and genocide, the key thing for her is that he killed her father. Compare and contrast that with the way Nyssa basically stops minding that the master is walking around wearing her dad's face.
0: Wow. Well, there's no way I was going to say all of that, especially as some of that's for episode two. I think Andrew's just ruined it for my other half by giving away who the killer is, i.e. the only other person in the story. Uh well, I mean, he did say he started, because there was quite a lot in his thing. Thing two was quite a lot of things, including the Doctor and Susan. Oh, I did say I like the dynamic between them. So I think I'm having that. I think that is part way towards my coronation. Uh, so uh, it's even Stevens, one apiece between Andrew and I. So... Uh, I've got half a cup of coffee and half a kingdom which is which which I'll take uh, I don't need anybody to come to my rescue so thanks for that uh, I'm, I'm probably going to watch the other episode now, you will have to return some other time um, so for now uh, thanks for watching and what? Well that's the first time I've seen a Doctor Who episode where it- It was how you taught me to remember the neighbours' names. It was how I taught you to... Oh! We have neighbors. (laughs) call. The only thing I'm doing in lockdown... (laughs) I'll tell... In fact, we're going to leave it on a... Because what happens is, when I talk when the episode's not on, it means that I then have big gaps of the episode where I haven't got anything to say. So I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger to explain that contribution. Um, So come back next time unless I do two episodes at once which I haven't decided yet but anyway in episode two I shall reveal all uh, but for now go away you can't come in thanks for listening to happy times and places with me Toby Haydok. my special guest was Andrew Ellard Sincere thanks to this episode's featured patrons, Rob Leonard, Jenny at Bluebox 99, Paul Cook, John Deere, Chris Dunford-Kelk, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Allen and Stephen Moffat. Not that one. The music is by Dave Gates and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. Don't forget to subscribe and to please rate this five stars wherever it is you happen to pick up your podcasts. That sort of stuff really does help. Oh, and why not subscribe to my YouTube channel as well? You can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash or make a one-off donation at Kofi.com forward slash Toby And if you are listening to this on January the second, please tune in at 6.45 or at midnight forty-five tonight to Radio 4 Extra and my show Absent Friends, which will be a tribute to those from the worlds of Sci-Fi who departed us in 2020. Absent Friends, 645, Midnight45 tonight and on BBC Sounds, Absent Friends, the seventh dimension for the rest of the month.